This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. And welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin. I'm your host and I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. This is episode nine of season six. And I'm talking today to Dr. Anita Devi about learning and lots of other things besides just because she's an excellent wise human. So while I had her, I asked her lots of other things. Um, if you are going to the Worship for Everyone conference at Gastry in Birmingham on Saturday, we would love to see you. My brilliant colleagues, Kate Irvin and Becky Sedgwick, are leading a seminar on chat and catch, which is just parenting for faith speak for prayer, talking to God and listening to him. I'm going to be there as well, but not with my work hat on. I really, really wanted to bring my kids. So I am coming with my kids to come and enjoy every aspect of that. But if you see me, I would love to give you a hug and say hi. So do come and say hello to me. Um, And yeah, I'm afraid that is sold out. But Worship for Everyone are really worth following if you don't already know about them. My guest today is Dr. Anita Devi. She's an education consultant, author, former SENCO, senior leader and school improvement advisor. She has got an absolute wealth of experience in developing leaders of learning uh, and a teaching career that spans all the way from early years to postgraduate education in the UK and abroad. We are really grateful to have her. I've known Anita for many years and I've also just seen the way that she helps and supports many people on their journey of faith and their journey of leadership as well. So welcome to the podcast, Anita. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Before we get into our conversation on learning, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you came to faith and your own journey of becoming God's child. What's that look like for you? Thank you, Anna. It's a real privilege to be here and to be sharing some thoughts with your audience. Um, I love the work that Parenting for Faith is doing. um, And so may you continue. Um, So how I came to faith, I am a first generation Christian in our family. Um, I think for me, at the age of 14, I I clearly heard the voice of God about two things. Um, one was that I was to work in education. And the second was that I needed to find God. Um, I grew up in a multi-faith family. Um, so the belief that all paths lead to the same place. Um, and whilst I was under my parents' roof, I, I honoured that. So I actually studied and found out about all the faiths um but in that moment that I knew that I had to find God and I had to find I was going to work in education I think God gave me a question to ask every faith that I studied and it was almost like my own personal litmus test to to seek out the truth um so yeah I visited and and read um about all the different faiths um but none of them answered that question until I came to the Christian faith. Um, and that answered the question. And hence, I made an informed choice, if you would like, um, to, to, to give my life to Christ and accept Jesus as my saviour. That's wonderful. And I just wanted to ask you, this is off topic still, but just while I've got your wisdom, uh, you know, many of us have friends or family who are, are from that multi-faith background. Do you have any sort of advice about coming alongside them, supporting them, just knowing that you've come from that place? Um, whether there's anything you'd say on that? Well, I think there's there's two things. First of all, be a prayer warrior. One of the things that um, people I know who are still in that space of, of all paths lead to the same, 
um, often say to me, the one thing that makes Christians stand out is we offer to pray. So whenever they've been in problems or difficulties, I've always sent a message, picked up the phone and say, can I pray for you? And I just do it because it's what we do. It's, it's you know, we go to the Father. We believe that that's a, our strength in in our times of weakness. But what they've noticed is no one else does that. And so I think, you know, about we are called to be holy and different and stand out. And again, a lot of the other faiths try and make people like God. And I kind of do that in inverted commas. Well, we are called to be godly, which is slightly different. You know, we are not God. We are godly. We are adopting his character back as he intended us to be. So pray. That would be my first thing. The other second point is the gospel of John. Um, you know, it, it is the gospel that talks about the I am's and particularly I am the truth, the way and the life. And I have found over and over again, challenging people through that one particular scripture, uh, health warning, you will have to kind of come up against some resistance. But I think that's part of the discussion and the debate, you know, um, and that you begin to tease out um, all of that. I mean, I am the first, as I said, Christian in our family, but I'm not the last, uh, praise God. And one of the things I had to work through with my parents, uh, particularly my mother, was actually around I am the way, the truth and the life. And actually, we spent a lot of time discussing that. And not just, you know, when I say a lot of time, not a couple of hours, this conversation went on for a couple of months. and We had to keep coming back to it, giving them space, giving them time to go away and reflect and then keep coming back. So relationships, the gospel and prayer. What else do we need? Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> and I have really seen that. I've seen you journey with people, you know, to be bold in offering prayer and inviting them. And, you know, I'm thinking of our, our bathroom man recently and some of your neighbours and all sorts. I just love the way that you meet people where they are and come alongside them. And I think that's something we could uh, we could all do. So thank you for that. Uh, let's move on now to your your decades of experience in education and leadership. Um, I wanted to ask you, what interests you about the way that children and young people learn? And is there anything that we as adults could learn from that? Yeah. Um, so for me, um, my why, in terms of everything I've done, has always been rooted in the joy of learning. And there is a joy to learning. And, and again, I think, how do we communicate learning to children? Do we talk to children about facts that it's about accumulating knowledge because it's not is it about becoming perfect because it's not is it about a journey absolutely is it about um and I, I wouldn't even say it's about fun because I know again within the school there's this whole you know entertainment um fun fact it's not about fun it's about joy and joy comes where the presence of God is and the scripture that for me really resonates is about the transforming of our mind so when I talk about joy and, you know, the joy of learning, it isn't a light bulb moment necessarily. It's a Holy Spirit moment. It's a moment when you know that God is giving you a new dimension on learning. Because if you think about what learning is, is we have a lens on the world. OK, whatever age we're at, we have a lens on the world and something comes into our radar, um, either through senses or information, and it changes our perception of the world okay and so let's just give a very extreme example everyone believed that the world was flat and suddenly they realized well not suddenly but over time they realized the world is round and so they had to undo their previous learning and adopt a new learning that's transformative 
that's the gospel, that we are undoing the past and adopting something new and fresh in the moment because it's coming from the spirit. So I would encourage parents, how do you present learning to the children? You know, um, I, I in school, I meet a lot of children who, and, it, and I would say from my own cultural background, learning was presented as a perfectionist model. You know, it's not. So let's let's move away from that. Often you get, um, well, I'm no, I wasn't very good at maths. And so you may not be. Well, it's not a generational thing either. So let's move away from those kind of ties that we sometimes place on our children. Let's talk about the joy of learning. And that means that in that moment, children can experience the presence of God and hear the Holy Spirit share God's creative spirit with them to say, here's a new perspective. Now, uh, sorry, here's a new perception. We all have perceptions, but what we are doing is, or I believe that I'm, you know, is we're seeking God's perspective on life. And so each new perception is taking us, should take us closer to God's perspective. And it's a multifaceted diamond, you know. You will have a different perception. I'll have a different, we could look at the same scripture, for example, and we'll have different perceptions, but I'll learn from you because it's the lens God has given you. And equally, hopefully you'll gain something for myself. And it's then when we get both of those, and we think, wow, God's now seeing it from all these different dimensions. That's the excitement of learning. But we don't often talk about these kind of things in school. We kind of restrict it to passing exams and getting into a job. And I think that's all important. But I would root that again back in Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay. And I know people often use this as a hope scripture. But for me, look at the order of the way it says um, we often in our lives decide a plan before we go for a purpose but in the scripture it's know god's purpose for you first throughout mm. the plan and so you know how do we encourage children to know their purpose because they have been created with purpose do we tell them that that you have been created with purpose and part of this education process whether it's formal or informal is for you to develop the character you need to live out your purpose so yeah. love that, love that so much, and I like the I like the way you frame that idea of changing perspective as well, because I think there can be this sense of well, children and young people, they're blank canvases to be shaped. We'll shovel this information into their heads, uh, but we as adults, you know, we're kind of set in our views, and actually, it really takes some humility to say, God, what is my perception what is my perspective on this situation or this thing and I'm not just talking about personal situations and spiritual situations I'm talking about the world around us and how we see it and what's going on to actually unwind and undo a bit of that and be open to hey the way that I did see things I might not see it like that forever there might be a different way of looking at it um that God wants to show me and wants to wants to open up for me yeah fascinating and absolutely. And one of the thoughts I've been having recently, Anna, is because if we look at the world at the moment, it does seem a little bit in chaos. OK, yeah. right around the world. I mean, and not only is it in chaos, I think it's been in chaos previously, but because of the speed of information we're getting, we're actually now seeing it in that phenomenal level of chaos. If that makes sense. Yes. I think, I think over here time, it has always been a high level of chaos, but we're now seeing it because of the, the speed of information that we are accessing. But I was thinking the other day that, you know, God places on different people on their hearts, a heart where his heart is breaking for different countries or different aspects. Mm. And if we trust in God, he will cover the whole nation or the whole world and different nations by enabling other people. 
So, for example, God might put in your heart Bosnia. okay, and you may have this sudden thing about praying in for the people of Bosnia, um, supporting them, kind of finding out what's going on there. What can you do? Christians and non-Christians alike. It's irrelevant because this is God's family, you know. Mm. And so you might be, and as and you might be into that. Now, God hasn't placed Bosnia in my on my life, uh, on my heart. Let's say that doesn't mean it's not. You know, it's right for you. So if you've got Bosnia, someone else has got another country. God will cover that whole world by us knowing our purpose and just tuning into where am I meant to be focusing? Because mm. your heart is breaking right now. His heart is breaking. There is no doubt that what is going on in the world. You know, God isn't sitting back passively and thinking, well, it will sort itself out. Yes, it will, because we know that. We know Revelation. But his heart is breaking because these are his children. Mm. And as a parent, when your children suffer, you feel it much more than when you suffer yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you've picked up on two things there that we really uh, like to talk about in Parenting for Faith. So thanks a lot. This wasn't scripted. <laughs> um, but one is about showing, you know, speaking to children, young people about how they are a small part of God's big plan. You know, understanding the big picture of the Bible and God's purposes and that we've all got a part to play. And I guess our learning is a part of that. It's God preparing us uh, for what he has for us to do. And, you know, if we can see learning in that framework of this isn't just I'm learning stuff because I have to to get to the next step, but there's a reason for it. There's a reason behind it. As you say, there could be joy in it um, and it's part of something much bigger. I think that's quite exciting. Um, And also this thing of just sort of surfing the waves, recognising that all humans, uh, adults and children and young people, go through different phases and stages of, so like that example you gave of having a real heart for Bosnia, for me, that might be for my entire lifetime. And that is the place God has put on me. And that is my focus, but it might be for a month or a year or, and I do my bit and then someone else picks it up. Um, And that actually, I think parents can feel very worried if their child shows an interest in something, learning or connecting with God in a certain way, and then they move on to something else. Um, and I think we just want to say that's OK. Some things are just for a time and a season. And that can all be part of the rich tapestry of, of each of us doing our own bits. Yeah, absolutely. And within that kind of child development, if you look at the concept of locus of control. So when a, when a child is first born, you know, our, our key um, development around their nurturing is to let them know that they exist that they are valuable and that they affect the world. Hence, we do a lot of these um, games or, you know, where they do something and there's a reaction or we might, you know, if it's a really small baby, we will gaggle at them and they gaggle back at us and we're getting that smile and reaction. And then you have toys where they bang something and something happens back. And so they're recognising I exist in this world. I have this sensory modality and I can affect the world. We're giving them agency, but their locus of their control is still around them. Yeah. And, as they, and as they and they're still dependent very much on you know um, parents maybe sitting them up straight if they're very tiny babies or feeding them or then they get to a place where I can feed myself but I still need someone to prepare the food and they move to a place of independence which is great because we do want them to be independent young people but that's also key when we have to reshift their locus of control to recognizing God is even greater. And at the mm. same, and so child development has to be kind of attuned to that, if you like. That children need to go through that phase of my view, 
and my perception and I am the centre of this universe because in their world they are because that's as much as they can take on. But as they grow, a big part of that is recognising that actually the locus of control is with God. And, you know, again, the Bible is his story. Too often we can make it about our story. Mm. And, and we have a part to play. We are still part of acts that's being written, but it's not my story. I just, I'm, I'm a, an actor that's on there for us, part of the play, as, as Shakespeare would say. You yeah. Know, we've our bit for the, the time we're here, but the bigger is is down to him. And, and again, that is where drama comes in that's useful for children, you know, because they can understand they're coming on and off. They have a small part. That's where teamwork activities, sports, you know, can play a big part. Um, because it's you know if you have one footballer who's actually doing everything on the pitch what's the point so I think if we give children extracurricular activities there's an opportunity there to to link it into how their perceptions are shifting mm. that bigger picture yeah no I think that's really helpful and it's actually just a huge relief isn't it <laughs> for children and adults alike that um we've been talking more generally around uh tests and exams and how to talk to children and young people about this and there you know there can just be this such a pressure because it feels like the results of whatever happens in this these tests these exams will define who I am and what I can do for the rest of my life and it's all you know it's all down to me and that's not true and that's a huge amount of um pressure for any individual to handle of course there's balance and we want them to do their best and perform well and have options and have opportunities but i think bringing god into that picture and into that conversation and and situating any individual within the much bigger picture of god's big plans and purposes in the world is is a relief yeah <laughs> it takes the it takes the weight off a bit doesn't it it does. And, you know, my own journey. So for my O-levels, I, I sat two O-levels earlier. You can see my age now. And I was the last generation to do O-levels. <laughs> and, uh, and then we sat two earlier, uh, in the, a year earlier. And then that final year, I, I was down for about 10 or 11. And it was supposed to be all A's and A-stars. And I got bored. I got bored of the curriculum. I got bored of people telling me how important this is. And to be honest with you, I stopped revising. I would rather spend my time reading um, spiritual books and stuff like that. So as a result, I didn't get the grades that I um, um, needed or was expected. Um, and yes, it was a setback. Um, and then I didn't want to, I just knew in my, my heart, although I wasn't Christian at the time, I knew in my heart, I wasn't meant to stay at the same school. Mm. That, that was an adventure, um, that God was going to show me something about where I needed to learn and what I needed to learn. Um, and I ended up going to another sixth form um, to do um, my A-levels, which was about a three-hour journey every day. Wow. But the people I met there really kind of shaped my understanding because I met people that I hadn't met before. Interestingly, during my A-levels, for some reason, um, and I'll go into that another time, they called me Grace. My name got changed to Grace. And so that's what I was called by all my peers during that time. And again, I was receiving grace because of the interactions we were having. So once again, two years on, I'm in this cycle, high predictions offered, you know, unconditional by LSC, Goldsmiths. And again, I just felt I don't want to do that. So I got my grades. I didn't get as what I was meant to be again because I got bored. You know, this cycle <laughs> coming up, I thought, okay. Um, but I intentionally chose to reset my A-levels. 
And interestingly, that year I met, um, again, different people and their life stories really broke my heart. So I remember one young um, person who was um, with us doing the when we were doing the resets at college and um, his heart had been around um, racing car racing and he had worked you know weekends at mcdonald's and saved up to buy his own race car and we were just so rooting for him and the week after he bought his race car his parents split up and he was now homeless and had to sell his race car to actually sort out his own accommodation and it really broke my heart because i'd never experienced something of that sort in my life you know my in my networks and and, and again it was just you know so for me, my A-levels were defined, my A-levels not defined by what I got, the grades, but actually the people I met and what I learned from them and through them that actually shaped me as a person. And so, again, it keeps coming back to character. Everything we do is shaping our character. Mm-hmm. You know, that's If we can start to talk to children about the exams are there to shape your character, not give you stress, not give you pressure, but you will get an outcome and it's how you deal with that outcome that is shaping your character. And then how you make the next decision is shaping your character. So it's not about shaping your life because actually when at that stage, remember this locus of control, they're still about me as the whole center of the world. If we yeah. tell them it's shaping them as a person, not shaping their life because the life seems so long and particularly in some people's lives, you know, we're living so longer now, although yeah. not. <laughs> You know, if you look at the if you look at characters in the Bible, they live way longer than we did. Um, so but I was talked to it's shaping your character. This episode in their life is shaping their character, and they get to determine how they use that. And I think that changes the dialogue from being big to just being a bit manageable. Yeah, that's such a helpful framework. And I, I think it's helpful for pre- uh, for parents as well, because often a lot of the stress is not just the child's stress around their anxiety and identity. It's actually coming from the parent. And I know you, you picked up on that that earlier. I think we've probably got time for one more question. I could talk to you about this all day, but I know your particular um, specialism is in children with additional needs. Um, and so I didn't want to go without asking you about that, really. And <laughs> For parents and carers of of children with additional needs, how would you um, frame this whole conversation around learning and learning with God for them? Um, So we we need to accept children have a spiritual dimension and they can still access God. Special education needs, additional needs are usually around four areas. You know, you have your speaking and listening you have cognition and learning, social, emotional, mental health and physical and sensory. And one or more than one may have some delay in development or some impairment. Um, it's not the end of the world, but that doesn't mean that they cannot still access the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't need these all these four modalities. And I can, you know, I have seen myself that young people who cannot speak necessarily or have poor cognition, when you put on a worship song, for example, they connect. If you're praying, they may actually show through different ways mm. that they understand the heart of the prayer. Because, yes, we're using words, but when we're using speaking in tongues, that goes way beyond anything we can understand on this, this planet. So, you know, let's not underestimate the spiritual dimension that God has created for each of us. I would say what often comes up when when I meet parents and Christ- who are Christians and children with special education needs, accept your children for who God has made them to be. Mm. 
<clears throat> acceptance is a big part of it. They are not, you know, um, God loves them and we love them for who they are and how they. Now, when it comes to healing, there are four dimensions we need to kind of potentially think about. God designed the body to be a healer itself. You know, if I cut myself, it naturally kind of pulls together and scabs and so it heals. And so there may actually be some natural healing that happens over time. Okay. And that's why I say sometimes people have gaps in their learning or whatever. It's not forever. You yeah. know, Moses had um, a stutter or a stammer. You know, the Bible is full of examples of individuals who felt that they were not competent. I mean, Gideon, you know, in this day and age, we would say he'd had anxiety disorder. Mm. You know, you know, so so there's a natural healing prayer, you know, praying through these things, because actually God designed us to be an image of him. Some parts of us are still making finding our way to that. But we can pray because in our weakness, he is made strong. And so we pray he will find solutions. And those solutions can be within in terms of transforming us or they can be without. God didn't say, well, I'm going to heal you, Moses. He said, I'm going to give you someone to come alongside you. Yeah. And he will speak for you. You know, Aaron will speak for you. So that's not a necessarily a bad thing. At the end of the day, Moses was still dependent on God. Mm. That's the key. The paramedics, the educators, the um, healthcare service, the social care service, they are gifts from God. And so work with the different agencies. Okay. It's okay. They are genuinely there to support you. And, you know, I have yet to meet anyone in those areas, education, health or social care, who haven't gone into this because they genuinely want to help. The systems are challenging without a doubt. There are many constraints, but many persevere despite all of these things because they have, coming back to, that's what God has put in their heart. Whether they're Christian or not, they've gone mm -hmm. to these vocations because they genuinely believe. You'd be amazed how many people go in and don't make it because actually it is, it takes a lot. You have to prepare your heart for this. You know, think of a teacher, primary class teacher, every year you, you have to, you invest so much time in these 30 children and you sow seeds that sometimes you see fruit and sometimes you don't, and then you have to let them exit. And so you have to grieve. How many, you know, children do you grieve over the lifetime of a teacher? Many because you have to see them move on and someone else will then carry on the work. Mm. And so they've all come into it for a reason and they are doing their best work with them. And then obviously there is the fourth dimension when Christ returns the trumpet of uh, revelation. So, you know, there are four aspects around healing and, you know, just sometimes I, I've met parents and that, well, we've prayed and nothing's happened. Keep praying, I would say, but also accept trust in God. He is Jehovah Rapha and see it in the bigger context, the mm. bigger picture, how God is going to use this, how God used Moses's stutter and stammer to bring another character on the scene to be part of that story too. So good. So helpful, Anita. And we were talking just before we started recording about the book, um, The Life You Never Expected by uh, Andrew and Rachel Wilson. So we'd really recommend that and also Care for the Family as a great um, kind of support resource. So we'll post links to that. Thank you so much for your time. What a great conversation. So appreciate your wisdom. My pleasure. Thank you.
We like to end a podcast with a question to ask your kid to spark an interesting conversation. This week's question is, what's something cool that you've learned recently? And in a shameless segue, I'm going to tell you something cool that I've learned recently, which is that you can give to Parenting for Faith by text giving. So if you text parenting followed by your donation amount to 70450, uh, then we will get that money, which is amazing because it enables us to keep creating this podcast, keep creating our courses, resources, all the events and freebies that we give out to you on our website. We'd love to keep doing that. Um, Text will cost your chosen donation amount plus one standard rate message. Obviously, not all mobile phone networks support text giving. So if yours doesn't, your message won't be delivered and you won't be charged. But you can always donate online at brf.org.uk forward slash donate instead. And if you want to see our privacy policy, that's available at brf.org.uk forward slash privacy. I think I remembered all the small print. Looking forward to those texts come flying in. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.